Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Zion National Park. We started talking about that last time, and today we're going to continue our journey through the park with a focus on one of the most epic hikes, not only in this park, but probably anywhere in the United States, at least, that you can do, which is going to be the Narrows. This was one of the must-dos I think I had on a list somewhere, my bucket list, I guess. Even though I wasn't sure what was involved with hiking something that was so... Well, I thought in my head it was going to be very strenuous. I mean, it was somewhat strenuous, but... It was very different. Yeah, never experienced anything like that in my entire life. It's one of those things that I'm going back because I need... You to have more. A, more experience of what we experience yeah. and to deal with some of the things that I feel like we missed on. Yeah, it's interesting because when I think about this hike, there's at least one other famous hike in Zion National Park that I was more familiar with and knew more about, which is Angel's Landing. Probably talk about that a little bit later. But the Narrows, for whatever reason, I don't know that I was even familiar with it. I'm sure we saw... It's and, so and, well known. I've heard it's, about it probably like on a show like Rock the Park or something like that, but I guess it wasn't planted in my head like what it was. It's one of those epic trips. I mean, totally even, epic. yeah, I mean, even when I was younger, I heard about it. Well, Never now, went, now you've not it. only heard about it, but you've done it. Yes. <laughs> and I you're here to tell other people about it. So, and I think about, so you mentioned, you know, this being an epic hike. And prior to this, when I think about other hikes that we've ever done, the one that still sticks out in my head is probably the most monumental hike that we've ever done is hiking what is called the Backbone Trail mm -hmm. in the Santa Monica Mountains mm -hmm. Recreation Area. So that's 80 miles. It took us several days to do that. Not um, consecutive days. We did it, yeah, in non-consecutive. But we did the entire entire mm -hmm. Backbone Trail. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a pretty neat thing to do. That was and, awesome. And someday yeah. we'll probably talk specifically about that opportunity mm -hmm. for people. But this was, like you said, it's a must do. And if you're in Zion, between Angels Landing and the Narrows, you have to do at least one of the two, if you're able. Yes. And I can see maybe yes. some people yes. might, might have difficulty or issues with one or right. the other. But if you're able, you've got to at least check one of these yeah. off the box. Now, if you're one of those people that actually have not heard about the Narrows, I'm gonna give you a little quick general background of it. So there aren't many slot canyons around in the Southwest, but this particular slot canyon is well known because the Virgin River runs through it. And the river is side to side on this canyon. And then you've got these massive walls of canyon going up each side of you. Some of the areas on the river can actually narrow in to where you're only 
I, I forget what the shortest, we'll talk about that yeah, later. Just but there's, a few feet. It's just right. a few feet where you're slipping through mm-hmm. a river. You're in a river, but you're slipping through this canyon area. So it's, it's quite amazing thing to do. You do have to have the physical ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you a little bit later for me, there was a mental aspect mm-hmm. to it also. But it's very legendary. It's located on the North Fork of the Virgin River, as I said, in Zion National Park. It starts at the section of the canyon known as the Temple of Sinuava and ranges from two to 16 miles. It mm-hmm. depends on which way you're, which way you're entering yeah. into it. It's one of the most iconic features in the park and this absolutely beautiful, majestic Slot Canyon is upstream from the main Zion Canyon. The walls can soar thousands of feet high. And in some places, as I said, there's portions of it that are only, well, we said a few feet, but at 30, it says 30 feet apart. But that is quite narrow, Mm -hmm. especially when you're in a river. And that is one of the points of this hike is that you are literally hiking in a river yeah so how often do you get to do that actually hike in the water and that's what makes this so mm-hmm. special and unforgettable yeah. yeah and there are some places where you're only inches deep in it and it's running over all these rocks you know that make the bed of this river and there are some places where it gets a little bit deeper it gets a little higher so why don't you tell us about the hike that we took Yeah, well, let's start with you mentioned that there's different mileage depending how you do it. So there's basically two paths for this hike. One is called the bottom up hike. And I think this has got to be by far the most popular way to do this. So the trailhead for doing it the bottom up way is at the Temple of Sinawava. And it's the final stop of where the Zion shuttle runs or I think there's some parking lots there too mm-hmm. that can fit a few cars. We we should talk about that later, the whole getting there thing. And this particular method of doing the hike will run you anywhere from three to 10 miles round trip, depending how far up you want to go. The difficulty rating for the bottom up portion is rated as moderate. In most cases, if there's high water flow, then the rating jumps up to strenuous so you do have to be aware of how the water is flowing when you're going to do this the average remember hmm. because it's the bottom up route that you are heading into water that's coming against coming against you so you're walking again a little bit more strenuous if it if the water's higher and that's when you're starting the first part of the hike you're going against the uh, the the current The average time commitment to do the hike this way is going to be four to eight hours, and there's typically no permit required. And this is a hike that you can enjoy in a good portion of the year. And again, this is the way that we did the hike, so we will get into the details of what the experience was like. But if you're interested, there's another way to do the hike, which is called the top-down way. And for this, you would get to a trailhead that is at a place called Chamberlain's Ranch. And to do this, you're going to have to have either a second vehicle so you can shuttle Mm -hmm. yourself when you're done back to your car or just get a paid shuttle to take you to the top of the trailhead. 
Red Rock shuttles is one option that could get you to the top-down starting point. And the differences here are it's going to be much, much longer. So you're talking about 16 miles one way to go top-down. The difficulty level is strenuous. And for a time commitment, if you're hauling backpacking gear, you're going to need to devote anywhere from 12 to 18 hours or... 10 to 13 hours as a day hike is what is noted. Yeah, which seems like a very, very long day hike. And I also believe that if you choose to do the uh, top-down hike, you're going to need a permit. You know, it's much more strenuous. I think there's um, a bigger chance of risks happening. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the park rangers are going to want to know who's there, where you're at, and... uh, make sure that you make it safely through the hike. Mm -hmm. So those are your options. But before you get into the trail and into the waters, you got to do some planning ahead. When I uh, heard from you that we were going to do this epic hike, there was a lot of things that went through my mind. How do you prepare for it? And mostly it's how do you dress properly. We went in the summer, which is the most popular time to take this bottom up hike. There are some years where there are a lot of people in the summer months taking this hike. So it might feel a little crowded, but it's still well worth it, I think. You're in water pretty much the whole time that you're taking this hike. So if you are taking just even a short two to three hour hike, you're going to be pretty water drenched in in your feet. So we chose to purchase water socks. They're neoprene socks Mm -hmm. that are supposed to protect your feet from the water. And they were comfortable. I think Mm -hmm. we were pretty comfortable in them. We had waterproof hiking boots and we chose to wear our waterproof hiking boots. I saw many different array of footwear while we were taking this hike from barefoot which was a little rare yeah saw some of that to just some rubber slip-ons to lighter type of tennis shoes i saw a lot of that you know just lighter type of tennis shoes i don't believe they were waterproof some were mesh so the water just goes right through them be aware whatever that you wear your shoes are going to get beaten up a bit because you're walking on rocks We've mentioned you're not only walking in water, but you're on in a riverbed and that whole riverbed is rock after rock after rock. Your visibility is going to be compromised, you know, somewhat. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to be doing a lot of feeling with your feet for what's on my next step. And I think, you know, you don't want to underestimate having good footwear. You know, the better your footwear, the better experience I think you're going to have and maybe the less chance of injury, of slippage, Mm -hmm. of some kind of boo-boo accident. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to a must need for us anyway, but I think everybody should consider it is a really good sturdy hiking pole. Now, I don't Mm. mean the aluminum flexible trekking poles. like trekking poles right i mean a solid wood preferably hiking pole yeah probably something that's like an inch diameter at, at least, least right? at least yeah. because if you're out in that water and your small diameter 
trekking pole gets stuck in a rock, it's not going to come out easy well, or it bends. No, and not only that, you know, when you think about that, you can have the current coming with a good amount of mm-hmm. force. Mm-hmm. You know, the more solid your stick, the better traction you're going to get, the better you're going to be able to support yourself. Yeah, you moving, can really yeah. plant it into a secure rock base and take that next step yeah. and give you that balance you need to move in, in the water and over these rocks. Yeah. For me, it was just a must need. I, I would not do it without one. Yeah. We did see a lot of people, as you're going through the list of things that you should have, we probably saw a whole bunch of people that didn't have like any of the things that you're going to be running through on your list. And again, I guess you can do it however you want to do it. It just the better prepared you are, I think the better experience you can make for yourself. The other thing is how you dress. So you want, you're not really in a lot of sunshine because the cliffs, some of the cliffs are so high. So you're shaded a lot, but you're still going to have experience a bit of sunshine. So be aware, protect your skin. You can wear long sleeve. That's very breathable. Some of these hiking shirts are extremely breathable. Yeah, probably something that's wicking. I probably avoid wicking is great. Avoid could, cotton because yeah. that's going to get mm-hmm. drenched and heavy. Right? Yes. Yeah. yes, you can choose to wear shorts or you can choose to wear pants. If you do wear pants, again, make sure they dry easily. Jeans would be an absolute. And I actually saw it. We were there, but it would be a huge mistake because they will get very wet and very heavy. Mm-hmm. So as far as clothing and, and the things you have to bring, I think that kind of sums it up. But plan ahead also in terms of how are you going to get to the to the beginning of this trailhead. Right. So I think we talked a little bit about this on the last podcast mm-hmm. because we thought on day one we were going to do this and we turned out that we could not. And that's because there are a limited amount of parking spaces that are close to the trailhead. Mm-hmm. And I believe in most times the way that the park works is I... My understanding is that the gates open at 6 a.m. And again, with limited parking spots, they will allow only so many cars Mm -hmm. through. And it's very few. Yeah, through uh, Canyon Junction, I think Mm -hmm. it's called. Mm -hmm. And once they have their limit, you can't drive there. Doesn't mean you still can't get there, but you would then have to walk an additional five Five miles miles. to get from Canyon Junction to the trailhead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, round trip, that's another 10 miles you'd have to invest. The other option, and this is what we ended up doing on day two in Zion, is to reserve a shuttle. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, if you do have an opportunity to make that five miles to get to the beginning of the trailhead in that upper parking lot, you do have to park a car at the bottom of this canyon junction, and that can be a little tricky too. Because it's gonna be on the side of the road, and it's not a parking lot. Right. And you're not guaranteed to even get a parking spot there either. So. So we ended up booking a shuttle through Red Rock Shuttles, which picked us up just outside of Zion Outfitters. And that retailer is like almost up across the parking lot from the visitor center at mm-hmm. Zion. Mm-hmm. So pretty much right there. Much of the gear that you mentioned, Julie, that people would want to have, you can also pick up a lot of that at Zion Outfitters. Right. So you, you can not only get your shuttle there, but if you need water shoes, if you need water socks, if you need the the solid walking stick, mm-hmm. you can buy and or rent, I think, some of these items at Zion Outfitters. Yeah, yeah. you can rent it, and I think it's pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the cost, but it, it, I, I remember thinking well, it's, it's pretty reasonable yeah. cost. The other thing that we bought at Zion Outfitters, because 
it will be nice to have memories of your trip. We bought this plastic thing that you put around your neck that you could put your phone into, your cell phone. It's waterproof. Yeah, that if you're gonna use that to take pictures and it's mm -hmm. gonna protect it against the water. So we did that for one of our phones mm -hmm. and then that way we didn't have to worry about as we're going through the water, dropping a camera, right. dropping a phone. Right. We saw, we did see quite a few people just... Uh, we saw people with thousand dollar cameras yeah going up the canyon yeah. now they were very young and very agile still and, I, mean, I think but, there's yeah. I, be, I bet you there's cameras and phones that get dropped yep. in those waters yep. so there is an option to protect at least your cell phone so you know thinking about one of those plastic protectors would be another good investment and then you know it's one less mm -hmm. thing you need to worry about mm -hmm. we paid $45 a person, I believe, for our shuttle. And it picked us up at 9 a.m. And I think we ended up having, what, like somewhere close to five hours probably total of hiking time. Mm -hmm. So 9 a.m. comes, we hop on a shuttle. It held about 10 people. Mm -hmm. This was during COVID time. So everybody, you had to have a mask to get in the shuttle. It took us through Canyon Junction. I don't know how long the drive was, but it was, you know, five miles and dropped us off just at the Temple of Sinawava, and our hike began. If you're going to go through all of this planning to take this epic, wonderful hike, one of your planning agendas should be to make sure you check the weather. The summer in Zion does have thunderstorms, and some of the storms can be very, very high in the mountains, but those storms can cause flash flooding within the Virgin River and the, and the Narrows. If you see any sign that there is inclement weather, uh, I would postpone the hike. You also will talk to rangers. Make sure you kind of check in with them and say, hey, is there anything we should know about as far as this hike? Do we have, is there any storms in the area? And they'll, they'll give you all the information. Yeah, and in fact, I'm going to either check in at the visitor center and or at a place like Zion Outfitters because mm -hmm. you'll be able to get the current conditions. Mm -hmm. You'll also be able to understand what the current flow rate is of the right, river. Right. And there are times, and I don't know exactly what the, uh, the cubic feet per minute or however they measure it is, but once it gets to a certain speed and a certain velocity, they will prohibit hiking through the, through the waters. I have a little note here that says the river must stay below... 150 cubic feet per second for the hike to remain open yeah so that'll give you an idea and they measure it so mm -hmm. the rangers will measure it and if it's above that they'll they will literally close the hike down yeah so we got out of our shuttle and the first part of the hike is actually a trail that has its own name and it's called the riverside walk so you'll actually do the first part of the hike the first part of the hike is about 10 minutes or so, and you're just walking on the side of the river, hence the name Riverside Walk, mostly on paved ground. And this initial part of the walk, I think we even saw like somebody in a wheelchair or, you know, mm -hmm. it's um, somewhat ADA compliant, I right. think. Right. It has an asphalt walkway. It's a really beautiful area. You've got lush vegetation as you're walking through here. It's actually technically labeled as a desert swamp. And you've got this microclimate here that from the occasional cloudburst, Julie, as you mentioned, and the spring runoff creates this really moist environment where you've got ferns growing, you've got mosses growing. So you've got that kind of initial 
introduction to the hike, again, roughly 10 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a set of stairs. And I, what is it, like maybe 10 to 15, not a whole not lot, but, but, yeah. but a few stairs that, that get you from the paved area down into the riverbed. So you're literally, these stairs take you right down into the riverbed. Now, initially, we were walking on some rocks and the river was right there in front of us. Yeah, but this is where the fun begins. This is where you literally start the Narrows hike. So it is considered one of the best hikes in the world. So if anything that we say scares you, don't let that happen. It is an experience that you will always, always remember. And there's been years and years and years of no incidents. And then maybe there'll be an incident, but sometimes it's because... That's what happened yeah. there. But, but when we were there too, I mean, we saw people, I think, of all ages, of yeah, all walks of yeah. life in the water yeah. from super young some to... Some that weren't prepared, some that were totally prepared. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. there were some people that we saw, it made me so nervous. I mean, there was like some young moms and dads that had their really, really young kids on their, on their shoulders. shoulders. <laughs> and I mean, if you're normally walking around with a kid on your shoulders, that's one thing. But when you're doing it in the water, the current's coming against you. And if you don't have like proper... And the bed is nothing but rock. Shoe, shoe attire. I mean, I was just looking at some of these, hoping that, i praying that these kids didn't end up right. going head first into the water. Mm-hmm. And so uh, again, mm-hmm. back that's back to the whole preparedness thing. Mm-hmm. So. so you need to be prepared to get wet. So mentally prepare yourself. You are going to get wet. It's not avoidable. Yeah. So, you know, you step into the water and first your ankles get wet and then the water rises up to maybe halfway up your legs and then it's at your knees. And then I, I don't know, Julie, if, if women have, no. have the same issue. No, but, I don't. But as a man, there's a, there's an area that I call the zone of discomfort that the once the water gets there, you know, you start People standing. People were literally laughing at you, Standing at your tiptoes. Yeah. Is that just a me thing? Is that like a guy thing even? I don't know, even? but people were laughing at yeah, you because well, you get this, you start getting this like a little bit of a squealy noise happening. Yeah. And- I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the water below the zone of discomfort. <laughs> and then once it's above, I'm okay, but it's that initial, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I think that's about as high as it got for us is like almost chest high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you just start beginning the hike. Initially, I was just trying to figure out how to get the best footing and what it felt like walking through this water and how to not fall in this water. Yeah, so you go quite a bit slower than a... Well, we did. I mean, I, there was people that, that I don't know how many times they've taken this hike, but there were some people that seemed to be gliding through yeah. this without a problem. But I'm going to say just compared to a regular hike. Oh, gosh, yeah. You're going slower because yeah. you, the water's going against you. You've got to watch your footing. There's some places where you've got to figure out where it's going to make sense to cross from one mm-hmm. side of the river to the other side of the river. So you've got to do a little bit of... Yeah mental okay how am i going to get from here to there and it's all fun and it's all great yeah it's good there was a point very early on in this hike where i don't remember exactly what happened but i just remember hiking stick somehow got stuck and i took a step and down i went and go down i did i went down i remembered it was like slow-mo i remember going down and seeing the rocks and thinking which rock am i going to hit and uh I did. I hit a rock on my knee. 
there was a really lovely couple in front that made sure I was okay. And you were right behind me and made sure I was okay. And I just remember my knee hurt, but there was nothing that was going to keep me from taking this Mm -hmm. hike. And I was fine because in the end it just, you know, it worked out. It was fine. And Um, And as you're walking through this, I mean, one is, you know, there's the whole mechanics of hiking, but then there's also, I mean, for me, there was just trying to, um, take moments, lots of moments here and there just to admire the beauty that was around us and just to internalize this experience because I've mm-hmm. I've never done anything like this in mm-hmm. my life. Yeah. You're looking ahead and watching other people too as they're taking certain routes and crossing the river here and there looking for the best place to cross. And you it's totally your choice mm-hmm. and, and what you want to do. But people tend to try to watch the person in front of them and see how they navigate that part of the river. And then, you know, you walk across that. You're looking for areas that don't have as much depth to it because you can kind of see better where you're stepping. Mm -hmm. But it was amazing. I mean, I was really, the adrenaline kicked in and I was really, really excited to just go. And as we kept going further and we're looking at these canyon walls and all the vegetation that was in, around it or on top of the, the canyon walls. or It was just, it was absolutely amazing. The color of the canyon walls itself mm-hmm. were beautiful. Yeah, very dark cocoa brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, With striations yeah. in it. Again, it's one of those places that we've gone to where you can look at pictures, you can see videos, but when you're there in person, yeah. totally different experience. This is one of those places. And as you're walking through the waters, eventually you'll get to a few areas that almost kind of like beachy type of areas where there's some buildup of some sand, dirt, sand, yeah. et cetera. So mm-hmm. those make options for if you've got some snacks in your backpack where mm-hmm. you can just kind of sit down there, mm-hmm. admire the view. Which is a must have, by the way. You- yes. Water, water. Mm-hmm. and some kind of food. Food. Yeah. Because it, it does burn a lot of calories. Mm-hmm. As I said, you know, you're going to be in shade a lot. You are going to be next to canyons that are 2,000 feet high. And that in itself has this awesome experience and feeling to it. Yeah. So when you remind me of the height of the canyon walls, I, I think, you know, one of the other places that I've been that just reminded me and it's nothing like Zion so I'll I'll say what it is in a few minutes Mm -hmm. but one of the first times in my life I remember being in a place where things on either side of me were so huge that Mm -hmm. you the sun didn't you know Mm -hmm. shine Mm -hmm. where I was walking Mm -hmm. was when I was walking through like the the Wall Street section of New York City (laughs) and there was like parts of this hike that reminded me of that you know the canyon walls are so high that there's certain areas where you're you're just in the shade and the sun isn't quite getting through unless it's at the exact right angle at the right time of the day Mm -hmm. so pretty pretty immense it's very immense and the water does keep flowing so you're you're always going to have as you're moving upstream water flowing against you and there are some sections where the flow seems a little bit faster and we did it there was a point where you're in the very beginning where you're looking at this and going okay okay you know can i do this i did anyway Mm -hmm. but once i got in it it it's like oh yeah we can do this if you at any point feel like you're not going to make it or there's maybe you got hurt uh maybe you have a kid with you that just is not doing well turn back 
turn back and you can always tackle this at another time. I think one of the nice things about this hike is you kind of make it what you want it to be. You can go as far up as you want Mm -hmm. and you just kind of make it suit your own physical fitness level, your schedule level. So for us, you know, we mentioned that, you know, we ended up getting a shuttle. So for us, one of the things that was nagging on the back, at least of my mind, was knowing that we had a pickup time at Mm -hmm. whatever was 2 Mm -hmm. p.m. or Mm -hmm. something like that. So we knew that once we got to kind of that, you know, no more than halfway on the clock, we would have to turn around and start to make our way back. I think I say that because I had seen at least two parents with children and they took, they, the children were frightened and you could tell they were frightened. Mm. They were, they were little and they're trying to help them navigate through this. And I remember one in particular just looked at the child and he was so scared. And she said, we're not going to do this. You want to go back? Let's mm-hmm. go back. We can do this another time. We'll play down the river downstream and, you know, we'll have some fun yeah. down there. And I just saw the relief on this kid's face. And I thought that's, that's good. That's a good thing for a parent to do, you know? So be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, again, I mean, you can put your feet in where the Riverside Walk ends, kind of get into just a bit of the Narrows. Mm -hmm. You get a little, you get a a taste of it, Mm -hmm. or you can walk through it up for an hour, Mm -hmm. for two hours, for three hours. It's whatever you want it to be. Right. And whatever you want it to be can be the best experience Mm -hmm. for you. In the springtime, this hike is also open, but it's a little different. It is. Yeah. So in the springtime, obviously, you're going to have snow melt, which is going to make for higher water levels, faster flow rates, Mm -hmm. colder water. Mm -hmm. Because it's summer. Well, that's another thing we should mention. Yeah. So I think even when we were there, this wasn't swimming in a sauna. (laughs) No, no, no. It It, it was on the cooler side. Yeah. It wasn't cold, cold. No, no. Because I can't do cold, cold. And that's a whole Mm -hmm. other story. Mm -hmm. But it is on the colder side. And like you mentioned before... If the flow rate goes beyond 120 cubic feet per second, then they'll close the river. But there are times in the springtime, yeah, when you still might be able to do the hike. And so it's going to be more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. And if you're up for something like that and probably even a more uh, survivor type of experience, go there before summer Mm -hmm. kicks in Mm -hmm. and you'll get that. Mm -hmm. We mentioned a little bit about there's a little bit of risk involved in this hike. Now, mind you... Hundreds of thousands of people take this hike every year. Not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of people take this hike every year. And they have a great time and there's incidences are low. And I think to the credit of the rangers, because I think they're constantly monitoring the weather and the flow of the river and just to make sure people are safe. So I think thumbs up for these rangers. But despite, you know, this climate that we have in the American Southwest, the number one danger in the canyon is it filling up with too much water. In any canyon, any slot canyon Mm -hmm, would be mm -hmm. filling up with too much water. So again, I want to reiterate that if you wish to take this hike, please check weather, check with the rangers, make sure everything is A-OK to go. Scuba gear? Uh, I don't think you want to be in scuba deer, okay. gear. It, scuba gear. Trying to think about how you get prepared for No, like flash that. floods kind of, um, mm. they're a little rough, honey. In the summer, it can change very rapidly. So if you, like I said earlier, if you have a storm, even if it's high up in the mountains, the rainfall can cause enough water to flow down the Virgin River into the Slot Canyon, and it could be a problem. Mm-hmm. In the spring, it's a little bit different because 
it is a snow melt. So a snow melt obviously is a little bit not like rain coming down in sheets. It's slower. So you don't really get as much as of flash flooding, but you do get the river rising in level. So it's it's just a little bit different. Yeah. Like I said, there have been incidences and we don't need to go into too much of that, but people have died there uh, due to flash flooding. Yeah. Some have died because they've done very stupid things like not listening to rangers or not paying attention or knowing what the weather is and deciding to do, you it, know, do it anyway. Yeah. So there's certain things that people have done that they shouldn't have. And unfortunately they paid for it with their lives. And that's, that's sad, but Very that's sad. just the fact. You can go on to a website. The national park actually has a website that will give you the weather and the climate at the time that you're there. Mm-hmm. So I would go ahead and visit that too and see if that's got anything interesting for you to know before you start the hike out. Yeah. So we don't mean to scare you, but I think it's important to understand that there are risks, but there's also phenomenal rewards. Yeah. And again, the better prepared you are, the better experience you're going to have. So our experience in the Narrows was a little over four hours, I think, kind of from start to finish. And again, we were on the clock because we did have a shuttle to catch mid-afternoon. Yeah. So but, so we reached a, a really nice beach area when we were hiking Kind up. of at the apex of our hike. Yeah. And we were very aware of the time and worried that we weren't going to get back on time. I had another issue. Yes. Well, what was that, Julie? So, so my issue is... And I didn't learn about this myself until no, last night. No, yeah. I do have a tendency to, to feel claustrophobic. I am one of those people that I'm constantly looking for escape routes in everything that I do. Yeah, so I'm going to vouch for that because I don't know that there's ever a time that we, if we're at a theater, if we're at a restaurant... You'll quiz me on if we had to escape out of here, how would we do it? And you've got everything mapped out. Yes. I Don't ask me why. You watch a lot of murder mysteries and those types of <laughs> things, so it's probably affected your psyche. I don't know. I don't know. I, I worked at a high school, and uh, it was a different high school. And there's a mentality that I have that I watch. I'm constantly watching my back or my family's back. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking up this canyon at this point and I'm seeing that it's narrowing in. And of course I've got this idea, you know, that these certain things can happen while you're in the canyon in the summer. And I couldn't see an escape route. And it started to create a little bit of anxiety. And there was the time issue too. So I just remember looking at you and I, I knew you were looking at me and you were kind of, you knew something was up. And I didn't know that that was up. Well, <laughs> I was going to say, I think you did a pretty, pretty decent job of hiding your freak out mode. <laughs> I just figured, I just figured you'd kind of had enough because we'd been several hours in the water hiking up yeah. against the water. So I figured, okay, Julie wants to go back. Yeah. No, I really didn't. Yeah. I didn't want to go back. Yeah. I was just having some anxiety about yeah. no escape. There was no way you can crawl up that canyon walls. There's just, there's no way. No. And but it, the weather was beautiful. It was beautiful. It there was, was no yes, storm that was going to. I know. Yes. Therefore, I, as I told you last night, the challenge is on and we are going to go back mm-hmm. and we're this time we're not going to do a shuttle because I don't want to ha- be on a time constraint and we're going to make that 
all the way to, there's a certain place for the non-permitted, what do they call it? The first one, the one we did? The bottom up. Bottom up. Yeah. There's a waterfall and I forget what it's called, but there's a waterfall and that's your end point. That's the point where they want you to turn around and go back. Right. So we did not get that far. We did not get right. that far. So... so that's what I want to do okay. next. I don't know if we can do that in 2021, for sure, probably by 2022. Mm-hmm. But I think within the mm-hmm. next year and a half or so, we mm-hmm. could probably get back. Plus, we have a whole bunch of other national parks to still get right. to in Utah. So we would like to, uh, we will right. be back in the state to So for all more. of you that have my anxiety, anxiety, worries like I do, and you can't find your escape route, I will get back to you because I'm going to conquer this. And... Drop me a, a comment if you've conquered it and you found ways to do it that, that uh, Tips are for helpful. Julie. Yes, yeah, yeah. love it. So after you decided <laughs> we need to turn around, we made our way back. Getting back, I think, in, in large part because we were not going against the current anymore was a little bit quicker. Plus, we already by that time had figured out the whole footing in the river. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we had a little time to kill. So we were at the Temple of Sinawava which is, you know, they've got throughout the park of Zion names for the various cliff sides and mountains. And this was just a beautiful area. You know, the river goes by it and we spent some time sitting there taking some photos. I did learn recently, and I didn't know this until just a couple of nights ago, the name Sunawava. He was like, what does that mean? Mm. And apparently that's one of the Native American names for their coyote god. So mm-hmm. Sunawava is named after that. And I also learned just this evening, if I remember this right, Zion, I believe, is a Hebrew word for refuge, or okay. kind of like a place of refuge. Mm-hmm. And if I get that wrong, somebody can correct me, but I believe those are what those terms refer to. And then after some time at the Temple of Sinawava, it was time for us to get into the shuttle and make our way back to Zion Outfitters, mm-hmm. which is where we got picked up. Mm-hmm. Now... Before we stop talking about hiking in Zion, the Narrows, obviously one incredible epic hike. If you have never had a chance to do it, I would put it on your bucket list. Again, I think almost anybody of most ages is gonna be able to experience some portion of it. And it's one of those things that you will never forget because it is, it's literally an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. And it's just phenomenal. So highly recommended. The other hike that I was more familiar with in Zion is Angel's Landing. And it turned out at the time of our visit that that was closed. So the park had just recently opened before we got there because it had been closed due to COVID, et cetera. Angel's Landing is a 2.2 mile hike. So it's technically not that long, but you've got lots of switchbacks. There's lots of challenges to it. Mm -hmm. And for people, so you mentioned you've got this anxiety thing, which kicked you in the canyon. I have the height issue. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you're going to go back and conquer anxiety in the Narrows, I may have to go back and conquer my fear of heights Mm -hmm. on Angel's Landing. Mm -hmm. So when we get back, we'll see if both of us conquer more fears, which is always uh, a neat thing to to do. So after the hike... We were uh, spend a lot of calories, a lot of energy, right. and it was time for some food. Right. We were back at Springdale, 
and we went over to, there's a little resort in Springdale. They had a, a brew pub there, so we decided to stop there and have something to eat. Brew pub sounded fantastic it after did. this hike. It did. What, what better way to end a hike of something like this than to pour down a pint? And... Yeah, and after that hike, I was ready to uh, indulge a little bit mm-hmm. in something that we usually don't. Yeah. They have a good selection of beer there. I was impressed mm-hmm. with the selection of beer. Yeah, lots of varieties everywhere from IPAs, some lighter colored beers to stouts, which we ended up opting for, the darker Mm -hmm. beer. Mm -hmm. But being Utah... They can only do uh, no more than 5% alcohol content. So you have to get 64 ounces of beer and then you'll you'll be good to go. Yeah, just keep drinking. That's what you you do. Yeah, so we had the the stouts there. They had lots of burgers on the menu. So this is kind of a pub food kind of a place. So... If we haven't mentioned it before, we're pescatarians, so we ended up getting a veggie burger, which was a quinoa black bean burger. Mm, it's very good. Very enjoyable. We got a side of these chimichurri fries, and I still remember they, they were they were kind of different, but they were kind of on the greasy side. Yeah. So we had greasy, kind of greasy-ish yeah, fries. Yeah, we don't enjoy greasy as much, but they were tasty. They were very tasty. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was it was, uh, it was nice. They were also doing the, uh, this was one of the few times during the COVID area that we had been inside in a place, right. but I think they were doing every other table. Yeah, um, they, the, they were trying to abide by the rules of uh, Utah mm-hmm. and uh, trying to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. And I just remember we're sitting there, we were talking to, we were at the bar, yeah. we're sitting at the bar and the waitress was talking to us and she was from Southern California, right? Yeah, we were having yeah. a nice conversation. Yeah, so we're talking about Southern California and all of a sudden she gets, her eyes get a little wide. A look and on her face. She's, you know, almost peaked, I think. And she's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go back. And she shot back into the kitchen area and it was because there was a random compliance check by the police. Mm-hmm. So it, that was a little interesting to see. Yeah, I don't think they were, were at risk of anything. I mean, they looked like they were so. very attentive to yeah. making sure that they were following the the guidelines of the Well, time. I think that's why she reacted like that. I think yeah. it was like, hey, make sure everything's in order. Yeah. You know, we're doing everything yeah. right. Yeah. But if you are in Zion National Park, just know one of your food options and beverage options is Zion Canyon Brew Pub, and we give that a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed our food and libation mm-hmm. there. So this would have been our second day in Zion, and we haven't talked about yet where we've stayed. So we ended up staying not within the park, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure like what the campsite options are within the park but we had because we were towing a trailer Mm -hmm. we found a campsite about 15 minutes roughly i think outside of the the gates on the east side of the park so in a very small town called glendale utah and we stayed at a place called bowers canyon rv park and as still relatively newbie travel trailer owners this was our third ever stop with mm-hmm. our own rig someplace. And I would say out of the three places that we had been to at, at this point, for me, this was my favorite spot. It, it was, was nice. a, yeah, it was, area and... it was kind of on the small side. So there wasn't yeah. hundreds of rigs. There was maybe just a little over a dozen slots. Mm-hmm. We had a pull through slot, but they also had a place in the back for people. If you were camping in tents, right, right. Uh, there was tent options available there. We paid $44 a night, which mm-hmm. was, I think, yeah, it was getting a fairly decent. Yeah. Bed bathrooms. Yeah. There was internet access there. It was 
mostly reliable. I did note that we had a few disconnects. Sites were very level, lots of shade, which was great because at the time that we were there, the weather was in the 90s. It was was getting kind of hot, so it was nice to have that tree cover there. They were very courteous Mm -hmm. and very helpful on check-in. Yeah, so the park itself was great. We'd also recommend this park as a camping option especially if you're traveling in an RV type rig. Mm -hmm. Now that said, while I immensely enjoyed the RV park, just know that within the town of Glendale, it's I guess technically a town, Mm -hmm. there ain't nothing there. And and I I mean, nothing, there's no, I couldn't find a restaurant. There was no Mm -hmm. coffee shop. There was, there was, like nothing mm-hmm. there might have been a post office or something a so market but, so if yeah. you're looking for a place with peace and quiet glendale utah is going to afford that for you mm-hmm. so we've mentioned a few tips already so we're not going to recap everything but i think there's one additional tip that we haven't mentioned that we'd probably leave you with yes for the narrows it is very very popular hiking trail it is like we said it's epic So there's going to be a lot of people, especially in the summer, that you're going to be... In competition with. Yeah, basically. I mean, because if you want to get into that upper parking lot, we were told that there was people waiting in line at the entrance of the park near Mm -hmm. uh, Springdale Mm -hmm. at three o'clock in the morning Yep, to get into the upper parking lot. Yeah. So early bird again. Yeah. You really got to get up super early if you want to get to that upper parking lot. If you get to Canyon Junction and are able to find a uh, parking spot there, just remember you've got at least a five-mile hike to get to the parking lot and the Temple of Sinawava. So be aware of that. We were pretty early, and those parking spots on the side of the road, we were lucky to get a very precarious parking spot yeah, and that was like what 6 30 a.m i think on the one day yeah. right so yeah yeah so i think the, the moral of this is this particular experience the earlier you start the better this mm-hmm. is not a place i think that you'd want to start the experience like late morning or early afternoon you just need to give yourself more time yeah hey i have a fun fact that i learned about zion national park and that is that when Salt Lake City hosted the Winter Olympics in 2002, they actually ran the torch through Zion during the run. So oh, that's cool. Whoever got a chance to run through Zion National Park carrying the torch, that was another probably once-in-a-lifetime memorable experience, mm-hmm. but they, they did that there, so that was kind of cool to read about. And under the category of if we had more time, because we only had, I think, two or three days tops in, right. in the area, more hikes, more hikes in the park. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, we already mentioned we want to go back, do a longer version of the Narrows, potentially do Angel's Landing, and there's mm-hmm. even more hikes than those that are Many available. And even exploring the little town of Springdale, we, did, yeah, we didn't we, really spend time there. There's more there than we yeah. saw. So that could be something that we check out next time that we're in the yeah. area. And it will be a different experience without, you know, the COVID issue happening. Uh, sure, hope so. Yeah. So final, final thoughts? This was probably one of the most memorable experiences that I've ever had short of this type of experience um, in, the, in the outdoors. The beauty that you see in these parks, especially Zion, and it's just, it's not explainable. You have to go and see it. You have to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just absolutely amazing. So I think 
It's a multi-trip experience because I'd like to experience a lot more than we did. And for us, thank goodness, it's not relatively long drive to get there. So I think we will definitely go back. Mm Mm-hmm. And with that, we're going to sign off for today. Now, when we do get... Oh, oh. I have one tip, though, because I saw this on the hike. Don't leave your trash. Leave no trace. Leave nothing. Please. Take it all out with you, please. That's a good tip. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's going to do it for us discussing the Narrows. We hope we gave you enough of a description to pique your interest about potentially doing this if you've never done it, if you've never heard about it. If you have had a chance to do it, hopefully we've brought back some memories and maybe boosted your interest to go back and do it again. Next time that we get together, we're going to talk about a few more things that are available to do near Zion National Mm -hmm. Park. So we hope you join us for that and that'll round out our journey to Zion. But, you know, keep checking back with us because we're with you just about every other week, bringing you to the various destinations that we go to. You can subscribe to us via email, invite you to visit our blog posts on our website at theplaceswherewego.com. There's always something getting posted there. I think recently I've I've just Mm -hmm. caught up and I'm still catching up posting um, some of the memories of the Zion trip. So there's photos from Mm -hmm. our trip. There's still more I've got to do. We always uh, also try to recreate recipes from foods that we eat when we're traveling. Mm-hmm. So there's a few new recipes on the blog and lots more will be coming. And we appreciate you listening and joining us on the places where we go. So thanks for joining us. And uh, we're very thankful for all our subscribers. And we appreciate you being a part of our journey. So thank you. And we'll see you If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.